have a, it's not really a birthday present, but it is your birthday, your actual birthday. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, but I have a, uh, a graduation gift for you. Thank you. That is a study Bible. And unlike some of our other youth, I would like you to actually read it when you're off at college. <laughs> yes. And there's another, there's another brand new Bible in your house. It belongs to your older brother. I gave it to him. Yep. Just kidding. Yeah. But um, what a blessing it has been to watch God grow you into the young woman you have become and uh, to be part of the worship life of this church with you over all these years. Just It's great to see you here where you are today. And you're now an Aggie. Yes, I am. All right. When is fish camp? August 7th. August 7th. And then you'll be, it's like a cult. That's where they indoctrinate you and brainwash you. (laughs) Sleep deprivation and other means of mind control. Howdy, Howdy, et cetera. (laughs) Yes, that too. Um, But congratulations. And yeah, good to have you here. So we need to have the kids come forward. You ready for this? Sure. All right. If I can have all the important people in the room come down to the front at this time, we invite you down for the children's chat before you go to Hope for Kids. It is not mandatory, but it is encouraged. Welcome. What is your name, sir? Daniel. That's a strong biblical name. I like that. Welcome. I'm glad you're here. Okay. So, Sarah, can you read from Psalm 144? Can you read just verse 12 for us? I can't. All right. I want you all to listen to Sarah. She's going to read you a Bible verse. May our sons in their youth be like plants full grown, our daughters like corner pillars cut for the structure of a palace. All right. So there's God's wish for boys and girls. You ready? What does he want for boys? Read, read the first half of verse 12 again, Sarah. May our sons in their youth be like plants full grown. May our sons in their youth be like plants full grown. So what does he want boys to do? What do plants do when you put them in the sun and you add water? They grow. They grow. Yes. God wants his sons to grow and to mature and Let's see, if you had, if you planted a, what's your favorite fruit? Watermelon. Okay, so if you planted a watermelon seed in the ground and you gave it water and there was plenty of light and plenty more water, what would happen? It would grow a watermelon tree. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to roll with that. <laughs> yeah. Yes, it would grow a watermelon plant, and when that watermelon plant gets to its its full stage what will it have on it watermelons exactly so that's what God wants for his sons is for them to grow up to mature and to bear fruit what do you do with watermelon you eat it and what does it do for you when you eat it it helps you grow right it gives you strength and energy makes gives you big muscles right 
So God wants you to be the kind of young men who grow up and mature and bear fruit and that other people around you are stronger because of who you are in Jesus. Does that make sense? So he wants to grow you so that you can give God's strength to other people. All right. What does he want for girls? May our daughters like corner pillars kept for the structure of a palace. So, Mila, good news. God wants you to be an important part of his house, of his church, of his family, right? He wants you to be, what does a pillar do? Anybody know what a pillar is? It's like a big post that you rest the top of a house on. Right? So what does a pillar have to be? Strong. Yes. A pillar. God wants his daughters to grow up to be strong. And is it just any pillar? Is it a pillar in a barn? It's for a palace. It's for a palace where the king lives. Who is the king of kings and the lord of lords? God. We'll go with Jesus, God. Same part, same, same entity. Um, so God wants you to grow up to be strong to support His church, His house, His home. He wants you to be a part of the place where God dwells, a very important part, but nonetheless a part. So you, Mila, are called to grow into your strength and your confidence as a young woman. You, gentlemen, are called to grow up and mature and bear fruit that helps other people grow and be stronger. You got it? Cool. Well, we can only do this in the power of Jesus. He's the one who fills our hearts, gives us strength, and helps us to fulfill God's will in our lives. Can I pray for you guys before you go to Hope for Kids? All right. Dear God, thank you for these children, for the gift that they are to our church and our families, and we pray your blessing over them as they spend more time in your word this morning and hope for kids. Fill them with your Holy Spirit and lead them into a deeper understanding of your love for them through your son, Jesus Christ. It is in his name we pray. Amen. Y'all have a great time in Hope for Kids. All right. You ready? I bet you are. I know you are. So um, let's say a prayer, and then we'll get started. You want to dial or hang up? I'll dial. You dial. I'll hang up. <laughs> Lord, I pray that you keep us all safe today. I pray that you remove any distractions that might change our focus from you. And I pray that you can help us to all fully understand your word and your message today. And Lord, we lift before you those whom we know and love who are sick or facing uncertain diagnoses or simply in need of your healing mercies. And we pray that you would be with those who are grieving, especially in Uvalde, Texas, um, but all over this land. Um, we pray for your comfort and peace where it is needed, and may that administration of your peace begin in our hearts and spill out from there into the world around us. We lift up our men and women in uniform who uh, 
serve to protect and defend the constitution of this land. We pray that you would keep them safe in so doing. We pray especially for those who are in harm's way. We ask that you would bring them home safely. We lift up our military families that are separated from one another due to their service, and we just pray you would be close to hearts at home and far away. We lift up those who've returned home from their service changed, and we pray your healing mercies over them, mind, body, and soul. We lift up those whom we know and love who are in training now, and we just pray uh, your strength and peace over their hearts and minds and bodies. And Lord, we um, lift up your church here at Hope and around the world. We pray that your light would shine forth through the hearts of your people, that your kingdom would grow. We lift up our sister church in Kamahuani, Cuba, and Pastor Miguel and his wife Tatiana there. We pray your blessing over what you are doing in their midst, and we thank you for the partnership that you have lift, raised up between our churches. We um, thank you for this time to turn our hearts to your word, and we pray that you would open our hearts and speak to us this morning uh, through your holy word. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. All right, so some people here might not know how incredible Sarah Trim is. You want to tell them? No, I think no. you got it. Okay, all right. Um, so you were um, in the top 25 of your graduating class? Top. Just roll with it. Yes. Yeah, okay. I might have been off by one, <laughs> but, you know. Uh, you played an instrument in the marching band for many years. Yes. What was it? Clarinet. The clarinet. I thought you were a tuba player. Nope. No. I don't okay. think I'd be able to carry it. Yeah. I, my money's on you. <laughs> um, and uh, you are now off to your future in some little hick town in central Texas. What's the name of that school? That little junior college there? Just like A&M, you Just know. Just A&M, yeah. that's all. Nothing big. Um, and uh, what are you going to study there? Psychology. Psychology. Did um, growing up at Hope Church make you realize there's a need for psychology? Yeah, for sure. I thought so. I'll just practice on all of you. That we could use it, yes, we could use it. Um, any of your, your dad's sins you'd like to confess while you're here? I don't think we have enough time for that. We don't have time, you're right. Uh, Sarah's dad is one of our elders here at Hope. Uh, her mom is going to be ordained and installed as a deacon today. Um, so... You uh, you kind of grew up here in a lot of ways. I mean, you weren't like born into this church, but you got here as soon as you could. Mm -hmm. um, so you're smart, you're beautiful, you're talented, you're 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 going off to college. Um, I, for whatever it's worth, I couldn't be more proud of you. I really couldn't. You're you're just a beautiful example of of how God grows people into His image, and they reflect his light, his love to others. And uh, I, th I think I have served with you on enough rooftops now. Um, this skinny little thing outworks everybody else on the job site. And, and we'll be like breaking for lunch, and she's like, I've got a row of shingles to finish. I don't know what's wrong with you people, but just give me a minute. You know, and she's up there in the blazing sun against everyone else's advice. And uh, But your heart for service is what I'm trying to uh, sort of accentuate there and how much I appreciate that. And, uh, yeah. So, 
um, I'm going to give a little bit of background to this. Um, when when uh, that thing called COVID started, uh, one of our elders um, was retired and had recently gone through a, a massive life transition and uh, decided that the best way to deal with that all those changes and that isolation was to just dive into God's word. And so he started cataloging all of the occurrences of the names of God in the Bible. And then at some point he sent me an Excel file and my, my eyes glazed over. Um, but uh, it, it sparked a thought that got us into what we were doing in youth group Bible study this past year. And we wanted the kids to sort of like look into these names of gods and look into their own hearts and try to understand like which of the names of God, which of the ways in which God reveals himself to us is most uh, poignant for them in their context. What, what passages speak to them the loudest and the clearest and, and sort of give, shed God's light on the, their own internal situations. And so, Sarah, you were asked to... Um, just sort of search through the whole Bible. Yeah, just, just 66 books, that's all. Um, you probably read them all. Uh, and, uh, no, I, yeah, well, I got it. <laughs> but um, uh, tell, us, tell us where you landed and why. So I landed in Psalm 144 because um, it talks about sort of how strong God is and how man is not strong. And I felt like that was a good idea for me because I needed someone to lean on. Okay. And I think God is a pretty good idea for that. <laughs> All right. So you were you were sort of drawn to Psalm 144 because of the the contrast between our human weakness and God's divine strength. Right. Okay. And uh, would you be willing to read Psalm 144 for us? Yes. Just the whole thing. Okay. All right. Sounds good. Thanks. Blessed be the Lord, my rock, who trains my hands for war and my fingers for battle. He is my steadfast love and my fortress, my stronghold and my deliverer, my shield and he in whom I take refuge, who subdues people under me. O Lord, what is man that you regard him, or the son of man that you think of him? Man is like a breath, his days are like a passing shadow. Bow your heavens, O Lord, and come down. Touch the mountains so that they smoke. Flash forth the lightning and scatter them. Send out your arrows and rout them. Stretch out your hand from on high. Rescue me and deliver me from the many waters, from the hand of foreigners, whose mouths speak lies, and whose right hand is a hand of falsehood, is a hand of falsehood. I will sing a new song to you, O God, upon a ten-stringed heart I will play to you, who gives victory to kings, who rescues David his servant from the cruel sword. Rescue me and deliver me from the hand of foreigners, whose mouths speak lies, and whose right hand is a right hand of falsehood. May our sons and our youth be like plants full grown, our daughters like corner pillars cut for the structure of a palace. May our granaries be full, providing all kinds of produce. May our sheep bring forth thousands and ten thousands in our fields. May our cattle be heavy with young, suffering no mishap or failure in bearing. May there be no cry of distress in our streets. Blessed are the people to whom such blessings fall. Blessed are the people whose God is the Lord. Amen. So, Take us into those first few verses of this passage and the ways in which they um, sort of bring out that contrast between God and man. Where, where do we start here? So it talks about how 
the Lord is, has steadfast love, and he is a fortress, a stronghold, and a deliverer. He's a shield whom I take refuge. It talks about how strong God is, and how he's our protector, and how he's amazing and everlasting. But then it goes right into how man is like a breath. His days are like a passing shadow. So it's contrasting the fact that man is so strong, or no, God is so strong, but man is so weak, and his life is so fleeting, but God is not. He's eternal. Okay. So as the psalmist opens, he wants us to see the contrast between God and man to be, this was a, an observation you made when you read this um, that I thought was good, but that, that first line under there, we're looking at the contrast, we're going to start with our own humanity, and, and then that first line under point one, that was yours. Yes, to be honest about yourself. Okay, and how easy is that? Not very easy, as not, it turns not out. Not entirely easy, <laughs> no. as it turns out. Um, and we talked about we talked about life uh, as a battlefield, the battle between good and evil. It rages the battle between uh, you know what we ought to do and what we what we actually do, or what we should be thinking about and what we end up thinking about. Um, but in that call to be honest about ourselves, take you in, take us into that battlefield as you have experienced it. Okay, so my freshman year, I was in like a not good relationship. It was pretty bad, kind of abusive, and I just felt like I couldn't really tell anyone, and I felt like maybe it was my fault that I got into that situation, and it wasn't, but I still felt that way. And I just felt very alone and like I couldn't tell my friends or my family, even though I, I could, but I didn't feel that way. And I felt like I didn't have a lot of self-confidence in, in myself and my abilities. And that kind of separated me from God, I guess. Mm. Like I didn't, I didn't want to be honest with him about what I was experiencing. I thought maybe I could hide it. You can't hide from God, <laughs> but still sort I've of tried. felt that way. It doesn't work. Right. Okay. So. Yeah, and uh, as, as, your, as your pastor, as a father of two girls, it just, it just like kills me to think of you feeling that alone, right? Um, and, uh, and yet, that's part of our human reality. And, and so I think you, you identified well that sort of internal battleground that we really need to acknowledge and kind of set it out before our creator if we're going to find any hope. <laughs> um, and, uh, and then you talked about a, a feeling of like how you felt about yourself in that context as a, particularly as a freshman in high school. Um, talk to me about that a little bit. Okay, so I felt very insignificant, like I wasn't seen by anybody, and that was hard because it also felt like God didn't see me, and like I was alone, I guess. So mm -hmm. in order to feel better about myself, in order to be honest with God, I had to first acknowledge that insignificance. Okay. And... This, in our preparation for this, this kind of led into a discussion like 
what I put in that blank, where insi- where you're insi- you put in insignificance, like my word for for me personally, not for anybody else here necessarily, but my word was like inadequacy, and I think of myself as a as a high school student and sort of this burning question of will I have what it takes, you know, will I be enough, um, and then you put into that blank from your own sort of vortex of, of realities, that battlefield, that internal battlefield we were talking about, that sense of insignificance. And I think other people in the room might have different words that go in that blank, right? But if you're thinking about um, that sense of insignificance, and w- was it in verse 3 or 4? That uh, Read verse 4 for me real quick. Man is like a breath. His days are like a passing shadow. Okay. And so in, in your articulation of that truth of the human reality, it's a sense of insignificance. In my articulation of that same truth, it's a sense of inadequacy that I, that I struggle with. Um, but in both of those things and in, in, in anything that goes into that blank, um, read verse 1 again. Just the first line of verse 1. Blessed be the Lord, my rock. Okay. So there is, there is this, this rock. A rock is the absolute opposite of a breath, right? It right. doesn't go away. It abides. It doesn't, um, like, it, it weathers over time, but it doesn't change relative to us. Like, if we hit the rock, it just hurts us, right? But um, that's the metaphor that the author is using to sort of bring out this contrast. Take us into that half of the contrast, if you would. Um, the, the first part is just this call to be honest about ourselves, um, to acknowledge that battlefield and, and whatever that sense of insignificance or inadequacy or whatever is there. Uh, but then the call in contrast to that honesty is what? To turn to the rock. Yes. Um, and then you see in verse 2, the very beginning of verse 2 says what? He is my steadfast love and my fortress. Okay. And so this idea that God is a rock and that he is love, what does that mean? I mean, he's eternal and his, his love is eternal and yes. everlasting. So when you were, when you were that, that freshman girl who felt very alone and insignificant, and just sort of missed in general. What's the truth about how God saw you at that time? God loved me no matter what. He loved you no matter what. Did you did you fully realize that in the moment? No, I kind of I didn't really understand that aspect of it. I didn't really understand that God kind of loves everyone the same and loves us no matter what we do. Okay. And so Therein is the contrast that 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 love never changes. It's, it's the metaphor is that it's a rock. It's fixed. It doesn't go away. We may be facing away from it and but not able there. to see it, but it's still there. It doesn't change. Okay, so we have to in turning to that rock, we have to lean into his eternal love. And then what's the other aspect of the rock metaphor that you saw? We are to lean into his eternal strength. Rocks are unbreakable in a sense. They're strong, and so is God. 
good. And then in verse 2, the rest of verse 2, David sort of unrolls this, this rockness of God, that God is our rock. Take us through some of those other descriptions of blessed be the Lord, my rock. So he is our fortress, our stronghold and deliverer our shield in whom we take refuge and who subdues people under us. Okay. Um, and that is, if it's, if it's nothing else, that is absolutely an articulation of strength, right? Right in the face of that human reality of our sense of insignificance or inadequacy or whatever that might be. Um, okay. So I thought you did a good job of when we were planning this out of sort of drawing that contrast between man as a breath and God as a rock. So what do we do now that we've seen the contrast? What's, where does David take us next? He wants us to call upon our Savior. Okay. And who is that? Jesus. Good God. answer. Um. So the Bible says that Jesus is the rock of our salvation. Um, and so if you look at this portion of the psalm, verses 5 through 11, as a prayer, I'll just, you know, verse 5, bow your heavens, O Lord, and come down. Right? So David's praying this prayer a thousand years before Jesus. Jesus hears the prayer and says what? Well, he comes down. He comes down. He's on my, on my way. Yeah. Right? Um, and so we are to call upon the one who heard this prayer and then... And then answered it. And then answered it. Right? He fulfilled this part of God's word by coming to earth. Um what what did Jesus do? What like describe some of the dynamics that uh, that occurred when Jesus, who is God Himself, came to Earth in human form? Talk about that for a second. Well, he died on the cross when he defeated sin and death. Okay, and so there is this um, aspect of his like the presence of God on Earth. He he brings heaven to earth he on the cross makes that connection possible for us to connect back to God through his sacrifice um, and so he didn't just he didn't just come down here and go oh bummer bummer for you um, he actually dealt with us dealt with it take us take us through that what he did well, he died on the cross for us. He came down and he stretched out his arms to rescue us from sin and save us from death. Good. Um, and it's, you know, here in this psalm you have David sort of singing about the battle um, and the life and the death. And, and then he says, God, please just come down here. Jesus is like, cool, I can do that. And... Uh, so there's this call to turn to the one who fulfilled this prayer, who answered it, 
And then what else do you see in verses 9 and 10? You're to worship him who answers this prayer. Okay. So verse 9, read that for us. I will sing a new song to you, O God. Upon a ten-stringed harp I will play to you. Okay. What is that new song? And particularly, what is the, what is the song that you want that freshman Sarah to sing? So I think the new song is just our renewed connection to God. Okay. And that strengthened bond. For me as a freshman, I didn't really understand that. I didn't really feel like praying would help. And I didn't really ever talk to him about anything. I was like, yeah, he's, it's fine. I'm, I can deal with this. Like, it's <laughs> fine. But now that I'm graduated, I've had many more years to sort of go through those things and experience them. And I have had that experience talking to God. And even though it didn't necessarily help in the moment, with my situation, it helped me in my connection to God, so therefore I felt less alone. Yeah, yeah. No, that's that's powerful, beautiful, perfect. Um, you know, we are to we are to sing that new song, right? And if you think about like some music is depressing, right? I don't listen to it very often, but some music is depressing. Um, and that freshman girl <coughs> was listening to music that was not, I guess, giving her strength. It was just reinforcing her place or her sense of, of lack of place. And then, again, to, s to see you um, mature into the young woman of God that he's building you into is just awesome to see. And the strength that he sort of infuses in you, I, I can see it. So, um, and that will get us uh, almost to the next section. Um, there's the new song, and what else is in there in verses 10 through 11? To living out our new perspective. Okay. And you, you pointed out in our preparation that verses... Um, Seven and eleven were similar. Yes. Um, seven and eight, and, and then eight. verse eleven. And it's interesting. Like you've got the new song in verse nine, right? This song of salvation versus a song of isolation. Um, and then you have this this pronouncement of who God is and the victory that He gives over sin and death. Um, and then he goes back to, like, he's still in a bad situation, right? He's still in the battle. Um, and so the only thing that's changed is what? His connection to God. His connection to God. And that, that gives the new perspective that we're talking about here, that, like, when we're in the battle and we're alone, we feel very afraid and isolated and hopeless when we learn to turn to that God who is a rock and who is a source of strength, then our perspective, our circ circumstances may not change, but our perspectives do. Um, and then what do you see, verses 12 through 15, what do you see here? He's praying to God, and he's 
He's enjoying God's blessing. Yes. So he goes from like noticing the contrast between God and man to this point of you know turning to the Savior, the one who has overcome sin and death, and then he talks about the blessings that are ours in Christ, um, and that we're we're these are really strong, powerful metaphors that he lays out here. We talked about that a little bit. Um, take us through this section, 12 through 15. What do you see there? So he's praying for things that may not necessarily be realistic, asking for sons and daughters to grow up to their full potential, having the granaries be full, producing all kinds, and then the sheep bringing forth thousands, cattle being heavy. Those are all things that you, like, best-case scenario. Right that you ultimately want, but ne not necessarily are going to get. But if you love Jesus, you'll get all those things, right? <laughs> not necessarily. But you will get a new song and a new perspective. Yes. Good. Um, so God wants us to step into our full potential, and I thought, I thought this part of our conversation was fairly fruitful. What does he say, verse 12, what does he say he wants for, our, for his sons? He wants them to be in their youth full-grown like plants. Say that again. <laughs> he wants his son to be full-grown like plants. To be full-grown. Um, maturity. Yes. Right? Um, can you articulate the difference between a boy and a man? Um, <laughs> I mean, boys are more immature, I guess. More I immature? I mean, men are immature too, but... <laughs> So, okay, so you're right, you're not wrong. So, so this passage says that God wants his boys to, to mature into full-grown plants that, that would presumably bear fruit and benefit others, right? right? Um, is there anything worse than a full-grown man who's not mature? Not much. Not much. Yeah. And you may need a few years of marriage under your belt someday before you really can <laughs> resonate with that. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, this, this image that God wants his sons to, to mature and to be people who strengthen those around them. Here's the difference between a boy and a man. You ready? Mm -hmm. A boy is asking the question, what can I get from a woman? A man is asking the question, what can I give to a woman? How can, I, how can I improve her status, her strength? What can I give to her to make her thrive? A boy just wants to know what can I get from her. See the difference? Yes. Okay. There it is. <laughs> All right. Now, we. what's that? And the price of their toys. And the price of their toys is also a distinct, <laughs> distinct difference between men and boys. Um, so then the author turns to God's daughters. What does he, what does he want for them? It's, it's, it's different. Yes. Okay, talk about that. So he wants them to be like corner pillars cut for the structure of a palace. It's not so much that he just wants them to be beautiful. He wants them to be strong and a foundation for his people. Yes, and part of, part of something purposeful right, the, the structure of the palace of God, 
right? That's a pretty high purpose. Um, so he wants them to be strong, beautiful, functional, and purposeful, right? So when you were that freshman, Sarah, how much of that could you realize for yourself? Not much. I didn't see my own value, I guess. Okay. Um, and so as you, as you grow into the woman of God that he created you to be, what does he want for you? He wants me to see my value and to see my own purpose. Okay. Yeah. Uh, you know, like I have two daughters. I have a wife. I, uh, you know, uh, yeah. If I, if I had a magic wand that I could wave over the heart of a woman, a young woman, I would, I would go poof. I want you to see yourself the way God sees you. And I know how hard that is, right? But we're talking about um, ideals here, right? The, the, these cattle being, these sheep going from 1,000 to 10,000 or whatever it was, and the, the cattle reproducing, and the granaries are full, and you know, we're talking about that ideal. But that's actually who you are in Christ, is that beautiful, strong, and purposeful woman that he created you to be, um, and, uh, okay. Anything else you want to say there? Nope. <laughs> All right. Um, so we, as God's sons and daughters, are to step into our full potential, and then we are to what? Expect the impossible. Expect the impossible. Does that mean it's going to come? No. Not, in, not necessarily not, not in this in life. in this lifetime. Yes. No. Okay. So take us through that, those last few verses there. So in verse 13, it talks about granaries being full, providing all kinds of produce, and sheep bringing forth thousands and ten thousands. He is expressing his hope for the future and for his, for his fields. Yeah, and, and he wants us to pray that way. Right. Right? Um, okay. And then in verse, the end of verse 14 was a powerful line. May there be no cry of distress in our streets. Yeah. And uh, I don't think we can read that portion of this psalm without thinking of people in Uvalde right now. And just, um, yeah, that's the prayer that we're, that God is calling us to pray against evil, to pray toward that which is right and good and beautiful um, even though that evil may come into our context in this lifetime. Um, so we're to express our hope. We're to pray against evil. What else you got? We are to claim our blessing. Okay. Read verse 15 for us. Blessed are the people to whom such blessings fall. Blessed are the people whose God is the Lord. All right. So the, what is the blessing that you enjoy today that you didn't see when you were a freshman? My connection to God, that I don't feel so alone anymore. Okay. That is really well put um, and, and so beautifully simple. 
right? That just connection to God, um, it, it is the antidote to our isolation. Um, and I, you know, I may be, I may be uh, beating this drum a little too hard, <laughs> but, but uh, as you move, as you move from, from here into your future, I, I deeply want you to know that God is your rock, that he is shaping you into the pillar of his church, of his palace, to be beautiful and strong and to have that sense of purpose in your life. Um, I'm a big Sarah fan. I'm, that's probably not news to you. Okay. Um, and so, I, yeah, I think well done. You picked us a really good psalm that articulates the strength that God brings into our hearts. Um, thank you. Do you want to dial or hang up as we close? I'll dial again. All right. Do it. Lord, I pray that you keep us all safe as we leave here today. I pray that you can help us to all understand the role you want us to play in other people's lives and in our own lives. And I pray that you can just help us to fully understand your word and how you want it to play in our lives. And Lord, I thank you for Sarah and all of our youth as they move through these transitions in their lives. Uh, may you strengthen them through your word, through your grace, through your presence in their hearts, through uh, the ministry of Christ on the cross to each of them. And we pray that same prayer for all of us, that you would fill us with your Holy Spirit and grow us more and more into the men and women of God that you created us to be, that you would lift our heads from the battles that rage within and without and that you would allow us to find the strength that comes in knowing that you are our rock. It is in the name of your son, Jesus, the rock of our salvation, that we pray. Amen. Amen. Good job.